Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is October 28th. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the guys at reviewingthebrew.com. Taking you through this, the beginning of this long MLB offseason. And things are getting a, a little interesting, not necessarily on the player acquisition side, but it's been uh, an interesting week for, for a couple of guys around here. Um, and we're excited for the offseason to really kind of kick off after the World Series ends. World Series tied at uh, one game apiece, Matt, after after a big Astros win last night. Yeah, that's, I guess, a little bit of a bummer for those of us who are uh, not wanting to see the Astros do well. And I, I feel bad. I was actually just talking with someone the other day about it, that like Dusty Baker, someone who is just a classic good guy who all of us would love to see succeed, just has to be on this Astros team that everyone's rooting against. Uh, so I'm a little torn on the inside, but still rooting for the Braves, even though they knocked the Brewers out. Um, man, hell of a performance by Morton for getting another few outs after he broke his freaking leg Yeah, on a comeback. Or my God. Put the team on my back, though. <laughs> oh, uh. it's that was something. He was throwing... Upwards of 96 by the end, too. Yeah. And then, oh, no. Dan Chopper. Yeah. The hot <laughs> hidden safeties in the league. Now, who hit the line drive off him? Was that? Um, it was not Altuve. Altuve was last out. No, I actually don't remember. Ooh, I'm not sure. I don't know, but someone had to come back off his leg. He broke his leg. Still through the next three batters. He even, like, finished the inning, went back into the dugout, and came back out the next inning. Um, and then finally, after he struck out Altuve, his leg just kind of gave out. And the trainer's like, hey, is, is there an issue with your leg? He's like, it's probably <laughs> broken. Oh, well, maybe we should get you out of here. Uh, adrenaline's a hell of a drug, man. Uh yeah, and then I heard he he apologized to the team afterwards. Yeah, but, you have nothing to apologize for, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry that my leg broke. It, it, you didn't do it on purpose, man. You don't got to apologize to it. Right? Like, Please. like if Devin Williams had his hand broken on a comebacker, there'd be no reason for him to apologize, you know. But when you break your hand punching a wall, mm. then yes, you have to apologize. If if Charlie Morton broke his leg kicking something, then yes, he should apologize. If a comebacker breaks it, no, no, you don't got to apologize. But hey, you know he's he's a hell of a gamer, man. He mm-hmm. really is. Yeah, yeah, nothing but respect for that guy, Charlie F and Morton. Oh man, this Braves team is everything the Brewers thought that they were going to be. Like you know, they got really good pitching. Um, really strong bullpen and the, the hitting that they've just been able to, to do what they need to do hitting. I mean, they, they've come up clutch, they've come up in big moments and, you know, they, they, they're really able to set the tone and that's what we thought the Brewers offense was going to be able to do. And when it came to October, they just weren't able to do it. Yeah. And this is all after losing their franchise player in Acuna. I mean, yeah. you imagine if the Brewers had lost, you know, I'd like to say Yelich, but, uh, we'll, use the best hitter for them down the stretch, Adamas. Um, imagine how much worse that offense would have been had Adamas just been gone for the year. 
I mean, the yeah. fact that they, the Braves were able to weather that storm um, and make their way all to the World Series is insanely impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it'd be like 2019, really, you know, that team, you know, losing Yelich, although they lost yeah. him in September instead of in July. I mean, if the Brewers lost Yelich in, de- in July in 2019, they would not have made it. No. Like, not even close to even making the playoffs. Um, so... It's it's amazing what what they've been able to do uh, this mm-hmm. year. So yeah, I'm I'm rooting for them to to win it. They they deserve um, some good stuff down there with the with the Braves. So, but yeah, it, it's also hard to root against Dusty Baker. And plus, right. I mean, you got Martin Maldonado, great guy, mm-hmm. former Brewer uh, over there. You got Zach Granke over there. Uh, Michael Brantley, Brewers trade package legend. Um, you got. Jake Odrizzi, Brewers trade package legend. Um, so there's there's a couple of guys over there as well. But you also have Orlando Arcia. And I think Orlando Arcia is more beloved to Brewers fans uh, than Maldonado or Grinky or and certainly Odrizzi and Brantley. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a series for uh, fans of ex-Brewers. Uh, if you're picking for kind of some specific players to cheer for. Did I see that? right the other day that uh, Martin Maldonado has caught the most games combined regular season and playoffs since the beginning of 2018 or something I, like I that. I think it's the most innings, but yeah. So, yeah. I think innings. He's, uh, innings yeah. yeah. That's insane. Like, I, I mean, for a guy who, you know, he's solid. He's never been, you know, <laughs> one to really wow with the bat or anything like that, but a great defensive catcher. Um, yeah. But I guess I had always, you know, I haven't, fully, fully paid to Mald- paid attention to Maldonado since he left. Um, and I just assumed he was a platoon type guy, but uh, clearly he's <laughs> catching a, a majority of innings over there to the point where like they want him in the lineup more often than not. So that's, that's nuts to, that it's not a Yadier Molina, you know, on a team where obviously he's catching plenty of games and a team that makes the playoffs uh, a decent amount, not him. That's leading in the innings, uh, innings caught. It's Maldonado. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And he was a backup for the Brewers pretty much his mm-hmm. entire Brewers career behind Jonathan Lucroy. Yeah. And then Lucroy got traded, and Maldonado had like two months where he was the starter, and then they traded him that next offseason. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we ended up with the trio of uh, that was uh, Susak and Pena and. Who was the third guy? Um, oh, let's see. We had those two. We had a Jet Bandy at one Jet point. Jet Bandy. We that had, that okay. was guy. That, that was yeah. 2017. It was between Susak, Bandy, and Pena for the uh, catching spots. And well, Susak and Bandy uh, did not last long. And Pena uh, has been a staple for the Brewers ever since. Um, so. Yeah, that was a that was a wild time in Brewers catching history, but um, the catching pipeline sure is strong now, isn't it, Matt? Yes, it is. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, you got some uh, some Feliciano down there at Arizona Fall League. You had Xavier Warren look uh, pretty decent this year. Uh, you've got Aquero, who just looks like he's going to be a stud someday. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's looking good. And then you've got Narvaez up the majors right now. He's going into arbitration this year, um, but looked much, much more like the Brewers were expecting when they traded for him 
uh, in his performance for 2021. So, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of those offensive catchers. So uh, the future is bright in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, with Narvaez entering into his final year of arbitration, um, that's where you have a guy like Feliciano who spent the year in AAA, had a shoulder injury, so he missed a bulk of the season. Um, so he's getting some at-bats down there in uh, the Arizona Fall League. I mean, we're going to talk about the Arizona Fall League a little bit later in this episode, but just because where we're at now in the conversation, we might as well talk about it now, right, Matt? Yeah, let's do it. Let's switch Why it not? up a little bit. So Mario Feliciano, uh, he played last night. Um, Wednesday night here for uh, Salt River Rafters. That's where the Brewers prospects are all playing for in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, he got himself a base hit, had another a couple of good base, um, you know, good contact, but went for outs. Um, and Feliciano overall uh, down there for the Salt River Rafters, hitting 263. Um, so really not bad. He's got a pair of doubles. Um, so that that's been good. Um, and also last night he gunned down a runner trying to steal third base. He got a pretty good jump on him too, but Feliciano just unleashed an absolute cannon down to third base and got the outs. And that also continues a tradition of not only offensive catchers, but strong defensive catchers that the Brewers have had. Um, what, what have you liked out of what you've seen so far from Mario Feliciano in the AFL? Um, I, I like that he is, you know, kind of put to, uh, a slow start behind him a little bit to gain some more consistency offensively. Um, he, you know, it would have been plenty easy for him to kind of take that slow offensive season that he had in AAA. And yeah, injuries played a lot into it, um, but kind of um, let that linger a little bit into Arizona Fall League. Um, but it looks like he has kind of picked things up. So it's nice to see. Um, especially that he does have a couple of well-hit doubles to go along uh, with the five hits that he has. Um, and I think we can officially put to rest the, you know, Feliciano, um, you know, defensive. I don't know that I'd call them struggles, but, you know, we've talked at length before about how when he and Peyton Henry were the two up-and-coming catchers, that Henry was the defensive one and Feliciano was the offensive one. I think his defense from everything we've heard from, you know, uh, Greg Young um, and some of the uh, Brewers minor league broadcasters um, as talking about his, the work that he did with Charlie Green, the uh, organization's catching coordinator who just works wonders with the team's catchers. Um, I think we were, we can feel pretty good that he's going to be a solid all around catcher now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's somewhere, I mean, he's 22 years old and the question really now becomes is, is he going to be, fully ready in 2022 because Manny Pena is a free agent and uh, we'll obviously get it more into that. Uh, the later we go here into the off season, once free agency begins, um, but Manny Pena is entering free agency. Um, Luke Maley is here. Mario Feliciano is here. Uh, will the Brewers try to resign Pena, you know, with, with those two guys and Feliciano, especially being a bigger prospect uh, that's already on the 40 man roster um, and made his major league debut in 2021. You know, are, are they going to give Pena the backup or not Pena, uh, Feliciano, the backup job in 2022 um, and groom him to be the replacement possibly for Narvaez um, once his arbitration years are up after next season? Um, and that's really kind of what they got to decide if they want to start with him there, if they want to get him more at bats in AAA. And I think that's where the Arizona Fall League really kind of comes in 
because um, they, they wanted to get him those at-bats. He only played like 32 games in AAA this year. So this gets him at-bats uh, against good pitching, and it, it will really kind of help the team understand where he's at in terms of readiness for the big league level in 2022. Yeah, and again, with him being out for so much of 2021, um, you want that extra little bit of a glimpse um, Luke Maley is going into arbitration this year, so there's no you know, guarantee that they attempt to tender him, although with uh, Pena uh, hitting free agency, it makes it a little bit more likely. Uh, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, he is on the 40-man roster now, so that clock is officially ticking in terms of how many years of control he has. So you would like to, at some point, start getting him contributing on a major league level, because that is exactly why you added him to the 40-man roster to save him from being rule five eligible last year is he, you, you view him as a part of your future. So uh, let's take a look then at uh, whether that future is now or not. Yeah. I mean, otherwise like that's another option year that you would burn um, Mm -hmm. if you send him back down. Um, And I mean, he, this this was his first option year this year. So he's going to have two options um, remaining. So he's going to have two more option years left. Um, So you'd still technically could be fine. And, um, but with, with someone who's been like a top prospect, like Feliciano, I think they're going to want to see what they have in him. Um, and I, and I think he's going to be at least capable as a backup to start as a 22, as a, as a 23 year old, uh, next season, uh, he can learn behind Narvaez. Um, and then, you know, depending on what they do with Narvaez, if, if they want to sign Narvaez to an extension, uh, which they could very well possibly do, uh, especially if he keeps hitting like he did this year. Um, if, if they sign back Narvaez, then either Feliciano is going to be a backup for a number of years or that's a trade candidate. And I know you don't want to hear that, Matt, <laughs> but that, that's just kind of the reality with their catching situation. Because when you have these prospects coming up the line where it's like, oh, like this is going to be their position uh, that they're going to be ready for, that they deserve to be starters at, and you already have a capable starter there that's under contract, someone's getting traded um, in order to to get value elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, just look at, you know, Arcia uh, last year. They ended up trading him because shortstop is an insane position of depth for the Brewers now. Um, it, they end up afterwards bringing in Adamas, um, so that kind of um, balanced it back out. But you wouldn't have moved on from a player like that if you didn't think that you were going to be able to figure it out. Um, Urias ended up being the short-term answer for Adamas, the more long-term. Um, but yes, it, it does end up making players like that. And now obviously Feliciano is a little bit, you know, he's down still in prospect status as uh, compared to Arcia, but it, the comparison is the dealing from a position of depth. And it's just interesting to actually hear that these are positions of depth for the Brewers when for years and years and years, they never were. Um, but yes, those are some of the things that can happen. And yes, I would be extremely sad if it happened. Um, but, uh, we will see. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of catching prospects in the pipeline and, and the Brewers already dealt from it once they, they traded away Peyton Henry, yep. um, who was up in AAA this year when Feliciano was out, when, when he was hurt, they called him up to AAA. He did well. Henry was not protected on the 40 man roster, um, the previous year because he had only played in high A up to that point. So, you know, they, they felt it was not worthy of protecting him. Then it comes to this offseason. They'd need to 
either protect him again or potentially lose him. And they opted instead to trade him for John Curtis, who then almost immediately blew out his elbow. Um, So that was that was a little rough. But the Brewers do still have a few more years of team control on John Curtis. So it's not a total loss uh, like the Daniel Norris deal kind of was. But that's okay. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so they got plenty of other uh, catching options um, in the pipeline. Um, so not too worried, but really kind of great to see Feliciano uh, getting those opportunities in the Arizona Fall League, getting those at bats, making up for the ones that he missed uh, earlier this season. And the fact that he's doing doing pretty well, five for 19, a couple of extra base hits, three RBIs. Um, so re- some really good stuff there showing strong defensively. That That's really kind of what you want to see. Speaking yeah. of what you want to see down in the Arizona Fall League, we got Joey Weimer, yes, who we is do. doing more Joey Weimer things. And it is honestly insane at this point what he's doing. So last night the game was streamed. I was I was able to watch it. Matt, you did not because um, didn't see it in time because MLB does a horrible job of promoting the Arizona Fall League for whatever reason. Um, it's just bad. Um, so I was watching the stream from a very high up camera angle all the way back that just kind of covers the whole field. No play by play commentary, just here in the PA, here in the crowd mic, and just kind of watching what's going on. So I've just kind of like got it on in the background. I'm doing whatever else. I'm watching the World Series. And, you know, I hear the PA guy um, is like, you know, coming up next from the Milwaukee Brewers. Playing right field, number eleven, Joey Weimer, and instantly I'm just like, I am switching back. <laughs> I am full, 100% attention on this game. And what do you know? Joey Weimer lines a base hit to right field. Uh, another single, 109 miles an hour or 111 miles an hour off the bat which is just what he's been doing pretty much the entire time down there. Everything's a hundred plus mile an hour exit velo. It's hard hits. It's base hits. He is, he has played in nine games. He has 30 at bats and he has 14 hits. He is 14 for 30. He is one hit under hitting 500. He's hitting 467 with a OPS of one, two, three, four of, of 12, 34. Like that is, that is how he is doing three doubles, a home run, four RBIs, four walks, two stolen bases in 30 at bats. It's absolutely insane. I, I cannot believe the tear that this guy has been on since, you know, about midway through the minor league season. I mean, it's, it's just reaching levels of insanity at this point. And it's like in Arizona fall league, it was like, he took like one game where, you know, I think, I think he pinch ran in his first game and then he went either one for four or for four in his second game. And it's like, all right, I'm warmed up. And then just decided to do do Joey Weimer (laughs) things (laughs) for a while. It looked like um, not surprisingly Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft was going to be the guy to lead this team. And, you know, why wouldn't you expect that? And yet Weimer has now surpassed him in OPS slugging percentage, batting average. Uh, I mean, Weimer, he's, he's only got five strikeouts in 30 at bats. That's not too shabby. He's got four walks to go with it. So 
Um, I mean, he's swinging big, but he is, he's making things happen out of it. And I just, I, I can't get enough of this guy. I I don't know at what point (laughs) the shine starts to wear off a little bit, but I'm sure hoping it doesn't because he just, Oh, he is something to watch. He is must see TV when he's actually on TV these days. (laughs) Yeah. And unfortunately for uh, salt river and for Detroit, Spencer Torkelson's AFL got cut short with an ankle injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, Torkelson was hitting 450 with an 1157 OPS, um, went by the time he was done, but yeah, Weimer has surpassed him. Um, and it's been, yeah, continually insane. It's been a lot more singles this time around. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got 10 singles, uh, of his 14 hits. He went three for four last night, you know, all three hard hit baseballs, two to the opposite field, one, a hot shot to third that the third baseman just could not pick. It was practically right at him could not pick it it was hit so hard um and yeah just just phenomenal showcasing the speed showcasing the arm strength showcasing the power showcasing the hitting ability um and he is just vaulting up uh prospect lists and and boards and um really kind of gaining some of the biggest hype of anyone um, and then one of the biggest stars of the Arizona Fall League. I mean, I think you got to put him in consideration, in early consideration for AFL MVP. You know, a, a couple of years ago, Keston Hura did the same thing, although we expected it a little bit more of Hura. But he ended up winning AFL MVP with a, with a really hot fall. Um, and perhaps we could see something similar with Weimer again, although Weimer is a bit more unexpected just because he was a fourth rounder, kind of a funky dude. Uh, very kind of Hunter Pence-like. Uh, weren't fully expecting this type of production from him, but certainly glad that it's happening. And it's it's been phenomenal for him this entire year. Um, and he's he's continuing it in the fall. And I just I can't get enough. Yeah, if think if he ends up finishing out Arizona Fall League. On the continuing the tear that he's on, how high do you think he ends up going up the prospect lists? Not just Milwaukee's, but I mean, they're starting to notice him all around. All the minor league writers are starting to. Is there a chance that he breaks top 100 at this point? I mean, it it seems crazy. It seems crazy because, like you said, you know, he was he started this year. Off the top 30, he was he was more of the project guy of the Brewers' five draft picks then. But he has been so good. He's got to at least be close to consideration, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, so I also, not only for writing for reviewing the Brewer, I also uh, do writing for Prospects 1500. Um, and just recently over there, uh, we had our composite like top 100 rankings list. So all the writers there uh, do their own top 100s, and you know we just it just kind of averages out to you know here's the the total list, and it, and it came out to like 210 players. Um, but in my list, I put Weimer at 100 because you know just with what he's done and and, and how he's kind of moved his way up that conversation. I, I felt it was necessary to put him on there, and and he is a very least, you know, because I, I knew that list was going to be close to about 200 prospects. I'm like, he deserves to be on here somewhere, um, you know, somewhere in the top 200 overall. Uh, so I put him at 100 on my list, and uh, a couple other guys did as well. Um, 
And yeah, he's he's certainly gaining some uh, consideration, gaining some steam. Um, and I think maybe when we see uh, the re-ranks coming out uh, in next, you know, January, February, uh, when MLB Pipeline and all the others redo their lists, I think we're going to see Weimer jumping way up there. I think he's absolutely top 10 Brewers prospect, um, 100%. And, you know, I, I think he's going to push himself into that uh, top 100 consideration. Now, for everyone else, because, um, I mean, he did great in A-ball, did great in low A, did great in high A, has done really well so far in the Arizona Fall League, and that could push him up. But the real test is going to be double A. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've heard that from so many people over the years, so many players, so many people within the game, that double A is the real test. I mean, even when we had Garrett Green on, you know, the you know, way he talked about it, it's like if if you succeed in double A, you are going to be a big leaguer. And for we I mean, you have so many guys that do really well in A ball, they get to double A and they struggle. And they just end, they just end up not making it. And continuing this next year, you know, if he does this again in double A, this this type of stuff, this type of power, hitting ability, speed, defense, like if that hitting ability stays, that's a five tool player Mm -hmm. with with all that he's got. If that hitting ability stays like this. Um, So. I I think that's someone that if he can continue to prove that, um, over next season as well, he's jumping up not only in the top 100, but maybe the top 50, you know, maybe even, even higher um, because that's a five tool player with big power, big hitting ability, speed, a cannon for an arm. And that could be your future in right field in Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, we talked about the top 100. Um, it, it, it's interesting to think of where he might land on the Brewers top 30, a player who is appearing as talented as he is. But you look at the top of the Brewers rankings, you've got a Garrett Mitchell, you've got a Sal Freelick, you got a Bryce Terang, you got a Hedbert Perez. Um, you imagine mm-hmm. that's still going to be your core up at the top. Ethan yep. Small still up there as well. Aaron then Ashby still eligible. Seeing, yep, Aaron Ashby uh, should be. I mean, he, he should, considering he's now in the majors, I would imagine he, you know, Mm-hmm. Pops his way, uh, rises up a little bit. After that, you're starting to run into your Hepperson Cuero, Tyler Black, Joe Gray Jr. That's very easily where I think you see Weimer start to land. So maybe a number six, a number seven, something like that on the Brewers' top 30. That is That, I think, speaks pretty well to the top end of the Brewers' prospects lists. When you've got a player like Weimer mashing as much as he is, and yet we're talking about him rising only up to the seven-ish range, possibly. Yeah. Because there's a lot of other very, very good players um, ahead of him. So, you know, we've been for years now dealing with the Brewers being at the bottom of the uh, organizational prospect rankings. We know they rose up a little bit um, in this last year's midseason ones. Um, they could take another little step forward here, I think. Yeah. And if you want complete kind of uh, transparency here um, in my so I'm working on my, you know, again, for prospects 1500 here, I'm working on my own top 50 um, that, that's done over there. Um, and I'm kind of in the beginning stages of it. And I currently have Weimer at number seven. I, I've got him slotted at seven right now. Bingo. Um, so 
that's you know he's certainly he's certainly within the top ten. Um, but I, I think that top group of you know your your Perez, your Mitchells, your Freelix, your Smalls, your Ashby's, your Terangs, uh, those guys. I don't think he can quite crack that tier yet. Um, but if he does con- continue this into next year, um, he is going to 100. Um, percent So it's, it's just kind of a matter of of you know time, I think. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, the there's the the Toolshed podcast uh, with uh, Chris Clegg. Uh, they had Joey Weimer on. They they just kind of released their uh, uh, interview podcast with him yesterday. And they asked him kind of about, you know, some of the adjustments and whatever and, and the things that he did, like kind of like how he unlocked all this. And apparently uh, he told the story, you know, he was just, you know, he was making the changes, you know, just kind of going throughout the season. He was hitting a lot on the ground, um, you know, just kind of like, you know, what we saw in the early part of the season. He wasn't hitting for as much power. You know, he had the swing. He, he was changing up, you know, to the toe tap, but, you know, wasn't really tapping into the power. And he asked Xavier Warren of all people, is like, hey, what, like, like, what are you seeing um, with with my swing here? Like, you know, like, you know, what changes, you know, do, do you think maybe I should make? And and kind of like, what do you, what are you seeing? How can I un- unlock this? And Warren said, uh, you know, try to get a little bit lower in your back leg. Hmm. And then he did, and then he started raking, and he's just done that ever since. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if, if you want to check out the, uh, the tool shed podcast, uh, that they had like a 20 minute or so conversation with Weimer, um, and you know, some really kind of interesting stuff in there. Um, but that's kind of like, like he's just getting a little bit lower in his back leg. Xavier Warren helped him out and now he's, he's doing this. Uh, 2020 draft picks working together. Love to see yeah. it. Can we get Love maybe uh, get Xavier Warren to give Christian Yelich some tips then? Maybe he could yeah. see something there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe to get Yelich lower in his back leg. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, get him working with uh, Garrett Mitchell too to to unlock his power. I don't know. Yeah, just hoping Garrett Mitchell. Speaking of someone who struggled at Double A, um, really hoping that that was something that was you know just minor league injury related you know we don't yeah end up hearing a whole lot about minor league injuries they keep that pretty close to the vest so hoping that's all that was and then uh garrett mitchell comes back in uh 2022 looking like his old self yeah and i mean plus like that biloxi outfield next year could be insane because mitchell's oh, yeah. gonna mitchell's gonna head back there um cory howell's probably going to be there joey weimer could end up starting next year in double a you also got Joe Gray Jr. who could end up there. Uh, Sal Freelich could make it up to Double A at some point. That outfield's going to be insane. Like we thought, like the outfield w- this year was insane for High A Wisconsin. So now these guys are moving up, and next year Biloxi is going to have a fantastic outfield. And friend of the podcast Garrett Green is going to be quite excited for this. I've already seen him on Twitter. He's already salivating about <laughs> the idea of Joey Weimer. Being in a Biloxi Shuckers uniform, he can't wait. Yeah, I I I I feel bad for him for this year too because Biloxi has, had had such a strong crew 
um, over the 19 and 18 seasons. Um, and then in 21, it just, and he explained a lot of the reasons for it and like definitely understandable, but you know, not something he was used to seeing around there was a yeah. team that struggles as much as they did. So he, he deserves uh, some high powered offense coming his yeah. way. So I'm happy for the guy. And they had one really good guy in Ethan small that just brought people out <laughs> and everyone's just like, Hey, promote him away from here. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. I don't blame Go him. On. Um, speaking of uh, other outfield prospects, uh, Joe Gray Jr., also in the Arizona Fall League, uh, he has had pretty much the exact opposite of a start out there in Arizona. One for 22 uh, with 10 strikeouts, hitting 0-45 uh, for Salt River. Been fantastic defensively, uh, made some great plays out there in, in center field, but uh, the bat just has not been there, kind of continuing um, his struggles that he had after his promotion to high A this year, um, but just kind of really on extreme scale. It's a small scale, but uh, his struggles have continued. Yeah, and uh, 10 strikeouts to just two walks as well. So striking out in nearly half of his hit bats, um, not something you want to see. It's what made, I think, some of us you know, happy that Joe Gray Jr. Uh, took as much of a leap as he did in 2021, but also still watching with some cautious optimism um, because he, a lot of those for as well as he did last year, those strikeout numbers were still a little high, not quite as high as they were in the season that he really struggled in 2019, but still up there. So as he started spiking up the Brewers prospect lists, um, you had to watch it with just a little bit of caution. And now you're seeing him kind of struggle here again, like you said, small sample size. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean everything. Um, but it's also where, you know, now we're seeing Weimer make this huge, huge leap. And at what point will he possibly, you know, go through some issues of his own that he has to work out of? I, I feel like just based off of their general games, you don't have as much of a risk with Weimer. He's not nearly as much of a, you know, free swinging strikeout guy as Gray Jr. Um but, you know, we've seen it catch up to Gray just a little bit here. And so, um, yeah, not not the greatest Arizona Fall League for him, but there's been plenty of players who, you know, struggle there and do just fine again in the minors. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Let, let's to kind of finish up this uh, Arizona Fall League update. Let's look at the Brewers pitching prospects that are down there. The Brewers don't have any high powered pitching prospects. Um, they got a couple of uh, likely future bullpen arms, Abner Uribe. Uh, is on the Brewers' top 30, um, kind of down in the in the low 20s, um, but he's he's pitched five innings so far, has given up four runs, so has a 7.20 ERA, 10 strikeouts, seven walks. Uh, you know he's a hard thrower, kind of all over the place, doesn't really have much command. Um, so that's something that they're they've been trying to develop and work on. He can throw at 100 miles an hour, he can throw at 103, um, but you know he's got to rein in that command a little bit. Uh, you got Lun Zhao, uh, player the Brewers signed out of uh, China a couple of years ago. Uh, he's thrown three and a third innings. He's given up just one run, no hits, a um, couple of walks. Um, so he's got a he's got 2.70 RA, uh, got a strikeout. So he's you know he's very young, uh, certainly very young for the Arizona Fall League. So you know getting him some extra innings here after Tommy John surgery uh, two years ago. That's Good to see Taylor Floyd, another reliever pitched in four games, uh, has a 2.45 ERA, 
uh, three and two thirds innings. Uh, he's given just he's given up three runs total, but only one earned. Uh, three walks, five strikeouts. Um, so he's been doing pretty well. Justin Jarvis, uh, meanwhile, has been a, a starter down there. He's he's started two games, pitched in three total, has seven combined innings or seven total innings, uh, a 1.29 ERA, uh, but six walks compared to just three strikeouts. So, you know, no one's getting really lit up among this group, um, but uh, there's there's been some walk issues and, and some other guys have, have done – uh, fairly well overall, though. Yeah, um, Taylor Floyd uh, in particular was one of the guys I listed as kind of one of my guys to watch down there. Someone I wanted to see how he did well against some of the upper level prospects from some of these other teams, um, because I can I can see him, uh, you know, being one of those kind of like Jake Cousins type guys who's not on the top 30, but, you know, looks impressive at a lot of the levels that he's at in the organization and then kind of is a sneaky add to the roster at some point down the road. So I, I like seeing the fact that, you know, he, he he's kept the runs down to a minimum. He's holding batters to a 143 average. Um, so I, I'm hoping that he finishes out strong and then kind of uh, brings that into next year's minor league season. Abner um, here, eBay. I think a, a, a lot of us obviously are very intrigued by the fact that this is a, you know, hundred plus mile an hour thrower, but the fact that he has uh what was it? 7.2 ERA, which is, you know, 16th out of 21 on the team. He is second on the team with the most walks per nine innings with get this 12.6 walks per nine, but Ooh. he's also leading the team in strikeouts per nine with 18 which is insane that is for for just for reference uh josh Hader, who um yearly is among the lead leaguers in k per nine is generally sitting in that you know 15 to 16 range so 18 would be very very good um but not very very good if you're walking just as many people as you strike out so you you know who you, you know who this sounds like this sounds to me like the pre-Crash Davis version of Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham, um, where he's just got this incredible ability to just throw hard and strike people out, but he's also wild and walks so many people. Like This sounds so much like Nuke Lelouch to me. Could this also be Rick Wild Thing Vaughn? I mean, he took a while to get that... Uh um control possibly. down pat i mean it, i think possibly a lot but of, uh, but but wild thing did his in the majors um there true. after being this in the california true. penal league um but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah uribe uh down in the carolina league this year so i, I felt it was it was a bit more fitting yeah but, that's true yeah i am looking so, forward to the pitching coach that will get him to kind of put it together because man if he does if he gets that control under pat oh he's gonna be really exciting to watch yeah yeah for sure if he can get that control he'll be a very valuable bullpen arm um but we'll see also one final thing on, on the uh, arizona fall league before we move on to uh, uh our next topic 
the uh, the Arizona Fall League is using the Robo Umps this year to kind of you know they're kind of testing it out, seeing how the system works, seeing what kind of uh, issues there might be, um, to see if you know MLB could use it in actual games next year. And so I was I was watching, and there was uh, a pitch that was thrown that everyone thought was low. The batter thought it was low. The crowd thought it was low. Everyone thought it was low. The ump called it a strike because the automated uh, ball strike system called it a strike. Um, so he, you know, the batter flings the bat, starts going down to first, and the ump has to very late call a strike. And the entire crowd just starts booing and heckling. They're like, ah, oh, come on. You know it's low, blue, and – <laughs> like just all these things. And the next pitch, he fouled it off. And this dude in the crowd is shouting, hey, that's a foul ball. Like it's just so much heckling for the audit for the robo up. And like they're heckling at the ump. And I feel bad for him because he's just like, I'm just this is what the robo ump called. Like, I'm just I'm just here. Um, but it just it just kind of goes to show for all the times that we call for like, you know, robo umps now. Robo-umps aren't, aren't going to be perfect either, and they're also going to be getting heckled. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I'm obviously that would be a huge adjustment for fans um, dealing with that. But I mean, it's it, it's the uh, classic meme uh, from Hannibal Burris. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. what's happening there. Like it's clear. It's the robo-ump can't be wrong. So, I mean, you got to make or the call. It. Or yeah. can it? Hmm. Yeah. Well, it can't be more wrong than the real ones, right? Yeah. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> anyways. All right. Moving on. Moving on to uh, more big league stuff um, and, and kind of staying in the in the Milwaukee area, just like Matt Arnold is. He's staying yeah. in the Milwaukee area despite the best efforts of the New York Mets. And it was a whirlwind couple of days uh, for the Matt Arnold rumor mill. Because uh, all of a sudden it pops up from, uh, I believe it was Mike Puma of the New York Post, basically saying like, oh, the Mets uh, have now centered their uh, president of baseball operations search on Brewers GM, Matt Arnold. Um, and, you know, word is they may have uh, sent an offer out to him, you know, get, giving him a contract offer and everything. I'm like, oh, wow, this is uh, developing quickly. You know, and um, Arnold, like that'd be a promotion for Arnold moving to a different market. You know, they always they already went after Stearns. Anasio said no, but this is a promotion. So it's a little different. Um, so perhaps, you know, Arnold would go. And then all of a sudden, Andy Martino pops in. It's like, oh, no, there, there's been no permission uh, yet. Uh, it's like, oh, well, this is interesting. I thought they were talking to him. Um, and then. It's like, okay, then we kind of get to the next day. It's like, okay, you know, they're they're trying to to get them. You know, we'll see what happens. And then we see the reports like, oh, the Brewers may be trying to angle for player compensation uh, to get back from Matt Arnold. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, he's under contract. So they can still deny permission to the Mets uh, to interview him. And, you know, it's like, okay, trying to leverage, you know, perhaps a trade to get some uh, prospects or something back. Um, and then all of a sudden word comes down. The Brewers have decided to allow permission for the Mets to speak to Matt Arnold. It's like, oh, well, okay, I guess, you know, we're going to try and see if we can move forward with uh, them trying to hire him and uh, maybe getting a trade package going. And then 38 minutes <laughs> later, word comes down, Matt Arnold 
has withdrawn his name from consideration. He is no longer interested. And that like that word came down from the Brewers beat writers, from Adam McAlvey, friend of the podcast, and Will Salmon, other friend of the podcast. Um, word comes down from them that he doesn't want it anymore. He is not interested. I am withdrawing my name. And it's just so funny to me how the report is he was given permission to talk to him. And less than an hour later, he's like, I want nothing to do with this. Like, that that can't be real, can it? Like, that just has to be the order of when it was reported. Like, there's there's no possible way that that place is that much of a shit show. Part, pardon the language. Yes. Uh, oh, that, there there is a way. <laughs> oh, my God. It just it's on believable every time you think it can't get worse and this was we mentioned it last week i believe like all the talk when steve cohen came was that oh look how much better things are going to be and my god it, things are just as hilarious in that organization as they have ever been and then not only does matt arnold withdraw his name from consideration they give him a nice old contract extension he's like you know what the grass is so much browner on the other side please just keep me here please just give me some more years i i just want to stay in milwaukee like it that's how bad it is seriously yeah it's it's absolutely crazy and you know honestly like i mean you look at matt arnold um he's got a pretty comfortable situation here you know you know, he, he's a GM, you know, he's, he's got that title, you know, earning that, you know, experience and, and whatever, you know, working with Stearns, uh, working with really good ownership group, really good team, a uh, really good front office. It's like you have that or you could head to New York, which has been which has been, in your words, a shit show for years. Um, and you're not the only one who said that. Believe me, uh, <laughs> it's been a shit show for years. Um, you know that everything kind of it's a very leaky front office. You got Steve Cohen, who loves to tweet criticisms about the team and whatever else, like tweets weird shit. Um, And then you got Sandy Alderson, you know, roaming about, plus Sandy Alderson's son uh, as an assistant GM. So, you know, as long as those two are involved in the team, uh, it's going to be very difficult to really kind of, you know, maintain your autonomy and and control over there. Um, And it's like, is this really a situation anyone wants to go to? And Arnold is not the first to have withdrawn his name from consideration. And he hasn't been the last either. Nope. You know, they, they've they've gone to uh, Scott Harris in San Francisco. He said no. Uh, the, the GM under Mosellac in uh, St. Louis, he declined. He withdrew his name. Um, you know, they, they've been denied so many others. And everyone's just withdrawn their name. I withdrew my name from consideration the other day. <laughs> um, it's it's just, yeah, it it's... It's not a great situation. Um, and for Arnold, I mean, yeah, he, he can leverage that then into a contract extension with Milwaukee. It's like, look, other teams want me for their for their president of baseball ops job. Um, you know, you want to keep me here? Give me an extension. It's like, all right, fine. You know, because the Brewers don't want to lose him, you know, but also like it's a promotion. So like you kind of want to, you know, give him the opportunity to seek it if he wants. And he did not want to um but 
Yeah, I mean, uh, he's someone like he's interviewed for other jobs before. I mean, he he interviewed for the Angels GM job um, mm-hmm. when that opened up last year. Um, but the Brewers have have decided to keep him, and um, you know, it's it's a good thing to to kind of keep your your brain trust uh, in place, especially with how much success they've had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen, you know, every year the Brewers are able to be competitive. We're actually starting to see the farm system start to improve again and some, you know, decent prospects start to be placed in it again. And so, you know, that speaks a lot to the direction that those two are setting uh, from the top down. Um, And again, you know, it just shows how much people want to be a part of this Milwaukee organization. We've talked about it plenty with, you know, the coaches and the players that, you know, down in the clubhouse in the dugout that there's a certain culture and atmosphere that players want to be a part of. Um, Clearly this extends to the front office as well um, that, you know, these two, and and yes, Arnold has also has been uh, interviewing around, um, but you know, that would be an easy promotion for him to just go to the Mets, have his own team to run and, you know, be able to start a different career path. And yes, a lot of it probably speaks to, the uh, insanity that is, you know, the Mets organization, but just as much of it has to speak to the Brewers and, you know, them wanting to stay here and be a part of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, the the farm system, as you mentioned there, uh, looks like it's finally ready to start bearing some fruit um, next season. Um, they weren't really able to do much this year. I mean, Ashby popped up here. Uh, Jake Cousins kind of popped up, but I mean, that was kind of more of a fluke thing. Um, like Ashby, you know, sort of had a had a big role there. Um, but other than that, farm system really didn't produce much uh, this season. Uh, but next year they should be uh, in position to do so. Um, and, and yeah, with this uh, front office, I mean, the, the Mets search has taken them so many places. Like they were trying to get this in place last year, but they got into the game really late. Um, because the sale to Cohen wasn't finalized until late. Um, so Brody Van Wagenen wasn't fired um, until super late in the process. And then, you know, by the time you get into November, December, it's like all the executives are really kind of with their own teams doing their own offseason plans. Like they're not just going to be jumping ship, you know, two days ahead of the winter meetings to, you know, run a new team. Um, so. They, they really kind of, you know, put themselves in a bad spot. And it's like, okay, now we're going to position ourselves to really be searching and have a good search going um, for this year. And it just has not been going well. I mean, all their main targets, you know, are not available. Now they're moving on to secondary targets, and none of them really want the job. And, like, like we saw the report from uh, Andy Martino uh, out of uh, SNY, uh, out of New York there saying that the Mets were denied, uh, officially denied permission to speak to Matt Arnold. And that's something where, you know, it's like, okay, New York is saying that they were denied permission. All the guys in Milwaukee who actually know Arnold and and would have contacts with Arnold are saying, like, okay, Arnold does not want them. He withdrew his name. And that, to me, is where the – the Mets are trying to make it look like they were denied permission um, to get this guy for a promotion because if it if it shows to everyone else, like, hey, this guy has a chance for a promotion, 
and still doesn't want the job, that reflects really poorly on the Mets. And they so they're going to want to try to spin it to where, well, we were officially denied permission, so we couldn't speak to the guy we wanted. Um, so that is why we don't have Matt Arnold or, or whoever else. We, we were just denied permission. Um, so it doesn't look bad on the Mets organization. The problem is I'm not falling for it. And <laughs> I'm not sure if, if Mets fans are. I, I think some of them certainly are based on what I've seen on Twitter. Um, how everyone's just kind of like, oh, everyone's just ganging up on us and, and denying us permission uh, to speak to their guys. Um, but also, I saw that it's like if an executive, like if a guy like Arnold says, I'm not interested, um, like, you know, I, I want to withdraw my name from consideration. I, I don't want it. Then the team will just simply be like, hey, we're just going to uh, either rescind permission or, or just deny permission for you to talk to him. He He just doesn't want it. Um, so it's just like a, l- a little spin factor uh, that it seems like that they're pulling. Yeah, it would 100% make sense for them to try and plant the narrative that their the permissions being denied as opposed to people just not wanting to go there. <laughs> the problem is there are two sides to every transaction. And so there is a Milwaukee media just as much as there is a New York media. And they're able to find out the actual facts of this situation. So um sorry and yeah like you said it definitely does seem uh on social media like um there are Mets fans who are believing it and why you would believe anything put out there by that club at this point um is beyond me maybe it's blissful ignorance I don't know but I oh geez endless positivity right which I didn't didn't realize was something that a lot of New Yorkers had but I mean I guess I don't know especially Mets fans yeah exactly yeah. Uh, but it's, they seem more like a glass half empty kind of group. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought anyway. But in the meantime, we will just continue to sit back and laugh while we have a competent front office. Yeah. Who has and us in the playoffs group. every year and ownership group. Correct. Yeah, that's uh, that's the key thing as well. I think it starts there. And, you know, it, it seems like every single time that a name pops up in the Mets GM search. Shortly thereafter, the, the name's just like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want it. Like, the, there has only been, like, one or two guys. Like, I, I've heard Brian Sabian, you know, is interested in the job. But they haven't gone to interview him. You know, and one other guy is, like, you know, interested in the job, but they haven't interviewed him yet. Like, they, they keep on going after the guys that, that don't want him. Um, and the guys that do want him, they haven't really gone after you know, well, like th- this is like the equivalent of of taking my buddies to the bar and, and trying to watch them flirt with girls at the bar. Like it's you, you're going after the ones that, you know, are out of your league and that are going to say no. And then when you have someone who maybe is more your actual league, um, it's like, hey, I'm right here. And you're like. I don't see you. I, I no, like <laughs> it's. Then you just end up going home alone. <laughs> well, and the the Mets are going to have to get something figured out soon because, I mean, all the talk is that there's going to be likely a lockout at some point during the offseason that's going to bring every sort of operation to a halt. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to be time that, you know, they're not going to be able to spend on all of this. So they got to get someone in place 
And so far, it's the now the most recent thing I've seen is they're uh, considering promoting someone internally, which clearly has gone well for them in the past with yeah. positions they've tried to fill. I just I I don't know. I don't know. Thankfully, we're not Mets fans, so no. Yeah. I myself that every day. <laughs> yeah. Just think when when you think about how much the offense sucks sometimes, and how much you. Uh, get upset at guys like Yelich or uh, even Council or Stearns or whoever. Just think, at least we're not the Mets. There we go. Or the Cubs, just because. Just because, yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good spot to uh, to end this week um, with uh, keeping Matt Arnold in Milwaukee. A um, lot of really good stuff going on in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, offseason. Going to be getting ready to kick off. I, I think uh, by the time we talk next week, uh, the World Series should be either over or, uh, j- yeah, by the time we talk next week, the World Series will be over. Um, so after that, the off season officially begins. So really excited for that. Um, and it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, off season as we now push into November uh, next week so uh, a lot of stuff that, that can still happen we got one month until the collective bargaining agreement expires and then when we get to that point well who knows what's going to happen so uh, we'll see we'll keep you covered with everything here at the cold brew podcast and at reviewing the brew.com uh, so for matt carroll i am dave gasper we'll see you next week for another episode of the cold brew podcast